We have a really special guest coming up. And her name is Alisa Viti. She's flown from New York. She got in 11 o'clock last night, which is, I'm really bad at math. Is that 2 a.m. her time, Eastern Standard Time? Okay. All right. So she's here with us. And just to let you know who this extraordinary woman is, she's passionately leading the way for women to find their reproductive and hormonal health through her unique functional nutritional protocol, which I was just up in her hotel room. She took me through her whole program. It's stunning. A transformational speaker, Elisa demystifies the science of hormones in a way which empowers women to work with their bodies and their cycles. How many women say things like, oh, it's my hormones. My hormones are driving me crazy. My hormones made me do it. I say that to Len a lot. I say my hormones made me do it. Right? She's going to teach us how our hormones can become our allies. And men, listen up. Listen up, you need to know this information so you can work with your woman and her hormones in an empowering way for the both of you. So since 2001, the Flow Living Center, which is her women's holistic health center located in New York, she's worked with thousands of women in five continents from their 20s to their 40s to have healthier periods, improved fertility, more energy, juicier libidos while avoiding drugs or surgery. Alisa herself healed... Her PCOS, which she's going to tell you her story, very powerful, very compelling, after receiving degrees from Johns Hopkins University in the Institute of Integrative Nutrition. And she's currently writing her first book due out early 2013 through Harper. Everyone, please stand up and give the warmest of welcomes to Alisa Viti. Thank you. I've been waiting all day to get my hands on you and your lady parts. <sighs> did you wear the right panties for this workshop? I hope you did. So, we're going to learn a lot of science today. We're going to learn a lot of information that people say oftentimes is too granular for most audiences and nobody wants to hear boring science, but I love science and call myself a sexy scientist. So I want to get you turned on to the power of your body. I'm going to be sharing with you what I think is the future of women's health care today and how that's something that you can be leveraging in your own life to not only heal your body, but also actually transform your world and the world around you to make it a better place. Because I don't know about you ladies, but the world needs women all hands on deck right now to solve a lot of big problems. So let me ask you a couple questions before we get into it. How many of you are here because you're dealing with menstrual issues? Raise your hand. So that could be polycystic ovarian syndrome, fibroids, PMS, ovarian cysts, heavy bleeding, spotty bleeding. Great. How many of you are here dealing with fertility challenges? Either you're trying to conceive actively now, or you know you want to conceive in the future, and you want to do everything you can to preserve and protect your fertility so that you can do conception naturally a couple years from now. Can I see hands? Really want an interactive conversation, so don't be shy. Good. How many of you are maybe past the infant rearing stage of motherhood and have noticed that your energy and sex drive has gone missing in action? Okay. Lots of feedback on that one. <laughs> all right, good. So we're going to be addressing all of this over the next hour. But I want to also ask you one last very important question. How many of you believe that you have the power to transform your health right now in this moment? Excellent. So I'm going to ask you to get up and actually anchor that into your body. So please put everything down. We're going to experience a neurochemical in our bodies right now that actually expedites the healing of our hormonal balance. 
And this, this neurochemical is called nitric oxide. Anybody familiar with nitric oxide? Good. It's a magical chemical. <laughs> uh, 1992 molecule of the year, year does so many different things. But for now, I want you to just experience it in your body. So what I'm going to ask you to do is place a hand on your heart, which I call the high heart area, which references your thoughts and your feelings. And I'd like you to place a hand on your low heart, intuition and pleasure center. And I want you to just close your eyes, sink into your hips, and I want you to imagine whatever it is that you're dealing with health-wise is now resolving itself, and that you yourself were the purveyor of that transformation. You were in charge of that. You were the manifester of that transformation. And just feel how good that feels to know that all that well-being is flowing through your body right now. And as you start to feel how good that feels, I'd like you to start to shake a little bit. Just let your body shake. Shake your knees. Let your hands shake. And really shake it out. Keep your eyes closed and shake, shake, shake. We're going to do this for about 30 seconds. I want you to build up that nitric oxide. Shake, 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 shake. Shake your butt. Shake your knees. Shake your chest. Shake your neck. Breathe. couple more seconds. Keep shaking it. Don't, don't hold back. Not now. Not at your moment of transformation. <laughs> and freeze. Do you feel that tingling in your hands? Do you feel it in your belly? Do you feel it in your lady parts? <laughs> you don't even know what those are yet. You think you know. Good. That's nitric oxide. It's moving through you right now, helping you transform and and break up stagnant energy and vitalize all your epithelial cells and lining, and it's just a magical thing. So have a seat. Feels good to, to love our bodies, doesn't it? So before I get into all the science, I just want to share with you a little bit about my story and why I do what I do. <laughs> um, some people think it's kind of silly that I get to spend all day long talking about lady parts, but I think it's great. So I want you to picture me about 14 years ago uh, at the height of my hormonal breakdown. I was about 19, and my body was at that time 200 pounds. <laughs> Covered my skin, face, chest, and back was covered in painful cystic acne. Um, I was exhausted, depressed. You know that kind of fatigue where you just you're too tired to fall asleep at night, and then you're too tired to get out of bed in the morning. So you just have this whole weird delayed kind of day. My eating was all off as a result of that. It, my whole life collapsed in around my hormones collapsing, and I felt isolated because no one else seemed to be going through these issues. And I also was just so ashamed that my body was not doing what it's supposed to be doing, what was wrong with me. And I had been going to the gynecologist year after year, starting at the age of 16, because you know nothing happens in the body overnight. And there were indications of this developing even in my early teens. And everybody said, you're fine. You know, it's normal to be irregular. And if you're concerned about it, we'll put you on the pill. And I said, well, you know, I'm open to anything that's logical and can have an explanation behind it. So what would we be treating with the pill? Well, we don't know what's wrong with you, but take the pill anyway. And I thought, not adequate enough data for me to make a decision. Sometimes I channel Spock. Forgive me. I love him. Um, I love seeing that there's some female Star Trek fans on the audience. That's really hot, ladies. That's nice. Okay. So I um, continued to search, research, and research what it was that was wrong with me. And it wasn't until one insomniacal night at the, at the library at Hopkins where I was leafing through some sort of journal of obstetrics and gynecology. I don't know what, how I spent my free time in my teenage years. And I uh, found this article a little bit of research on a condition called Stein-Leventhal disorder, which was the original name given to polycystic ovarian syndrome 60 years ago when it was discovered by these two gentlemen. And I read the description of the classic presentation of symptoms that a woman with this disorder would have, 
And I went, oh my God, that's exactly what's happening to me. This is exactly the condition I have. Ripped it out of the journal, marched into my gynecologist's office the next morning without an appointment. Very naughty. And I said, listen, I have PCOS. I'd like to do the confirmatory test with you and see what can be done. So reluctantly, you know, she was very flummoxed by me showing up with this diagnosis, <laughs> which she had missed. Um, and I, uh, no, but she's great. I, I love her. And, and I said, you know, so what do we do now? Because she said, oh, wow, look at that. You were right. You do have polycystic ovarian syndrome. We looked at my ovaries on an ultrasound. I had the whole thing going on. And so I rem- I'll never forget that moment. I was sitting in the chair. And I'm hearing her speak to me. It was a very surreal kind of moment. She said, so there's no treatment for you. But what we can do is medicate you. And here is what will happen because there's no treatment. You will certainly continue to have irregular cycles. You will continue to develop into further obesity. You will also have the increased likelihood of diabetes Definitely infertility will be a problem. And then, of course, heart disease and cancer as well. And we'll medicate you along the way to help with the symptoms of that. And I remember sitting in that chair and, like, this cellular response came very powerfully out of my body, which was like a very much like a gentle but powerful no thank you. No thank you to that future. That doesn't have to be what happens to me. How many of you have had an experience like that where, yeah, you know that even in the face of some sort of medical certainty, that there is a space for you to create in, co-create with your body a different outcome. Really powerful if you know that you can be part of that. And those of you who haven't had an opportunity to co-create health with your body, I'm going to teach you how you can start doing that today, especially if you're dealing with hormonal issues. So that's my story. And of course, I um, began becoming very passionate about sharing this uh, research and information with other women. I spent a lot of years apprenticing with all sorts of complementary alternative therapists, really understanding the different schools of thought and and fundamentally ending up really focusing in on functional nutrition because the the evidence that we have in nutritional genomics is um, undeniable that although you may have a certain set of genes that dispose predispose you to certain diseases the food that you're eating and the lifestyle that you're living pulls the trigger on those genes manifesting diseases so what better way to restore endocrine function than to use food to bring the endocrine system back online. So I developed this five-step protocol and opened my center a decade ago and started treating just women with PCOS. But they would have such extraordinary results. They started telling their friends with fibroids and infertility and low energy and low libido. And they would come and say, can we try the protocol on my situation? I said, sure, let's be researchers together. Now, I, I can't thank those women enough who were early on in my practice who wanted to, because it showed me the next level of understanding and research, which is that the way the endocrine system functions, which we'll learn in a few minutes, is standard across the board. And you can treat it the same way, regardless of which category of condition you have, whether that be menstrual, fertility, low energy, low libido, which is an extraordinary and a result and a very liberating and empowering piece of information for women to have. That the body works the way the body works. We have to learn how to work with it. Then things are good. So, but here's what I've seen in the past decade of working with women. You know, it, it really, just doing this research really opened my eyes to what was happening. Not just to me, you know, again, I thought I was the only one, but whoa, was I just misinformed. Um, and this, these numbers are very conservative because not all women are diagnosed, right? In the condition with PCOS, one out of four women, depending on which statistic you're looking at, one out of four, one out of seven women suffer from PCOS, but they go undiagnosed for an average of seven years. So again, keep in mind that although we know for sure that 20 million plus women are suffering from menstrual disturbances, that number is probably not as high as it should be. One and a half billion dollars was spent three years ago, in 2009, 
on infertility treatments. So let's think about statistics of women who are struggling with fertility. And, and rates of male and female idiopathic, meaning no known cause, infertility are on the rise. Um, women are spending so much money on trying to spot treat symptoms, you know, going to different complementary alternative therapists to try to help mitigate the experiences of these symptoms. $34 billion in 2007. 80% of which is out of pocket. None of this is covered by insurance. And still we're suffering. So to me, this is not good economics. Um, and, you know, of course, what really breaks my heart and gets under my skin is that, you know, birth, the birth control pill is being prescribed to younger and younger women, teenage girls, who maybe have an irregular period or two or have some acne or some cramps and you know, get on the pill at 15, 16, and then stay on it for 15 years. No one has ever done any research to say that that's safe for the long-term fertility of that child. And I don't want to see them at my center when they go off of the pill and all of those hormonal issues that are unaddressed but masked while they stay on birth control pills come back to the surface, right? So... Um, you know, I think the other thing that's really interesting that we don't know that studies have now shown is that these three categories of conditions, uh, menstrual issues, fertility issues, low libido, low energy, um, you know, they're, if we leave them untreated, they can lead to diseases of inflammation. So there have been absolute data that has linked the, the quality of your period health right, in your 20s and 30s, to how well you will go through the aging process, 40s, 50s, 60s, and beyond, and what is the probability that you will develop the big diseases of inflammation, diabetes, heart disease, cancer, Alzheimer's. And isn't that interesting, because all we're kind of programmed to think about our periods is what? Oh, what a nuisance. I hope I can just ignore it for the next 30 years of my life until we go through menopause. And then I'll go on hormone replacement therapy, right? That's basically the conversation we're having with our bodies for the most part, yes? Right? We're not sort of empowered around our cycle. And I don't know about you, but knowing that if I could do something in my 20s to improve the health of my period, that would definitely safeguard my heart and my mind later on in my life, I would definitely start loving my period a lot more, right? Information is power, and we don't have a lot of access to it. So here are the things that, you know, I don't want you to feel bad. You know, why is it that no one's been talking to us about this? And the other thing I've observed over the past decade is that there are certain things that block a woman from having her ability to be in the flow of her hormones. You know, again, we're not given any clear education about how our endocrine system works. I mean, really, when's the last time you had anybody draw you out your hormonal chart talk to you about the four distinct pathways of your elimination systems, talked about what happens during the luteal phase of your cycle. Let me help you remember, maybe you got a high-level education, maybe back in junior high or sixth grade, it was maybe called sex ed or growing and changing class. <laughs> Mine was called growing and changing. It was fun. Um, that was it. And then the rest we get from, like, magazines and, you know, God knows where else. Exactly. Okay. We're not instructed on how to engage our feminine energy to enhance the health of our bodies, right? We're definitely given a path on how to use our masculine energy to, to engage the world in a particular way, but we're kind of not talked to at all about what feminine energy is. We're going to talk a little bit more about that later today. Clearly, you know that I think the paradigm in healthcare is a little bit not working for us at this point, right? So we're not being, uh, we're not put in a position where we can start to engage our bodies in a partnership. We kind of go to doctors when things go wrong and feel like a victim of our bodies and then passively receive some form of healthcare from them, which in a lot of, you know, listen, I would rather be nowhere else in the world if something was really wrong with me than in the United States to have a, a doctor taking care of my body. But for systemic hormonal issues, we need a new plan. 
so that you can actually be in charge of that partnership every day. I'm going to teach you how to do that today. And of course, the last thing that's contributing to this observation that I've sort of been making over the past 10 years as to why there's this epidemic you know, happening for women around their menstrual issues, their reproductive issues, and their energy and libido. I mean, think about it. 30 years ago, was this happening in the concentration in the numbers that it's happening to today? No. Think back to your grandmothers, your aunts, your great aunts. You know, they were good. So the other thing that's going on is we have an increased exposure to environmental toxins and pesticides in our food, which mimic estrogen in the body. In fact, they're called xenoestrogens, X-E-N-O, xenoestrogens, and, uh, which means foreign estrogenic substances. And they increase the concentration of estrogen overall in the body. So this, of course, is going to put a stress on the endocrine system, in fact, disrupt it from its normal patterning, which is going to be a huge problem for, for you. So that's the bad news. It's a lot of it's not a good place for lady parts right now. <laughs> but the good news is I've also learned some really important things. The first thing is that there is a plan. There is a solution. There is a blueprint inside your body called the endocrine system and it provides you with the simple strategy to restore hormonal balance. Now I say simple, but I'm not saying easy. Easy would be taking a pill. That would be great. Be fun. Even if it was a supplement, it'd be fabulous. Could do it. Be easy. We could be more passive about this, but it's simple. And you know, I'm a big fan of the Einsteinian school of thought. And, and I agree that anything that's true in nature should be able to be reduced down to its most elegant and straightforward Explanation And the endocrine system, and as you're going to learn about it today, really provides us with that blueprint as to how do we relate to our bodies hormonally and support it. The second thing I've learned is that food is the answer. Food is the drug. Food is the medicine that you want to be using, nothing else. It's a powerful piece of information. So what I'm telling you is if you understand how the endocrine system works... And if you understand how to use food to interact with it, you can transform your health. I mean, that's for me, that's, that was the most liberating thing and for all of my clients has been life-changing. The other thing I've observed in the, the good news I've seen is that there is this special state of flow that women can have in their lives. And flow, as we define it at Flow Living, is a state of mind. Uh, it's a relationship that you have with your body that's really centered around your feminine energy. It's a way, flow is, is being in sync with your hormonal balance. And it, it's a state of being that gives you access to having you live the life of your dreams. How many of you here are change agents? Right, you're here certainly to transform. Those of you who are change agents, please raise your hand again. You were so shy about that. Change agents are rarely shy. So put them up. Okay. And how many of you are here to transform your health today? I would imagine everybody. Yep. So in order to do that, you really do need to get into that state of flow. Your power as a woman is really linked to all of these this internal ecosystem that's existing in your body. And in fact, although I was not searching for this as a scientist, I was really looking for the hard data, the, you know, the, pa the patterns, the, the actual formula to take your body from imbalance to balance. I couldn't help but see the power of uh, this state of flow in a woman's life. Not only would she transform her health, but she would also start to revolutionize the way she was organizing herself in the world. And it was amazing, this internal ecosystem that you have, this fluctuating, dynamic, hormonal system, not only from the brain down to the ovaries, but then the pattern within your monthly cycle. It's an ecosystem of change, of flux. And if you partner with it, it actually impregnates your whole life with that energy of change and flux. So if you're a change agent, you've got to have that battery pack at your disposal. 
I mean, some stories that really stand out for me was this one woman, Shireen. She came to me. She was on the pill, on antidepressants, in a dead-end job, in a dead-end relationship. And we applied the protocol. And certainly she was able to work with her physicians and, and slowly get herself off of these medications. And she performed better in terms of her health. And we completed the program. Six months later, I get an email from her. Subject line. You're never going to believe this. <laughs> email. I quit my job. I never told you this during our sessions, but I've had this secret passion of writing screenplays. And I moved to L.A. with the screenplay that I had been writing during the program, and it's gotten picked up. Oh, and by the way, I left that trashy boyfriend. <laughs> and now dating a couple of great guys. That's what's in it for you to love your lady parts. It's not just getting healthy because, you know, get, eating broccoli, it's like, great. I don't even eat broccoli because, well, there are various reasons, but um, <laughs> too many goitrogens for my taste. But um, you, you want to absolutely play a bigger game, right? How many of you have gotten healthy and then you've gotten unhealthy? Can I see a show of hands? Yeah, this is that hamster wheel of self-sabotage that so many of us what was the number? $34 billion were spent on conferences and uh, uh, self-help books. And, you know, listen, we're playing the game of getting healthy and not getting healthy and then getting healthy again. I'm really interested in you playing a game that is much bigger than that, you know, being a change agent. Another favorite story of mine was this uh, woman we worked with. One of my counselors, Jessica, worked with her. Um, her name was Brandy. And Brandy came to us because she hadn't had a natural period in 17 years. She was in her mid-30s, and she was really concerned about, you know, having to constantly go on uh, progesterone supplements every couple of quarters to induce a period, and she was worried what this was doing to her long-term health. She was able to do the protocol with Jessica, and, you know, we got this extraordinary email halfway through her program. She said, I had my first natural period in 17 years, you know, we've kept in touch with, we keep in touch with all of our clients, but we've kept in touch with her for sure over the past three years, is it? And she's been menstruating monthly every month, which is so great for the past three years. But she was able to leave a, a situation in Louisiana after the hurricane, move to another state, and start her own thriving social media business because she had access to her creative energy that was blocked because her cycles weren't happening prior to. That's what's in it for you. That's what's in it for you. You are a creatrix, and your hormones are just the language in which that's speaking, and I want you to become fluent in that language. So, are you ready to meet this system, this internal ecosystem in your body? Okay. So let me introduce you to somebody who's very, very important and dear and near to my heart, your concert of organs, okay? It's your internal ecosystem, your endocrine system. And we're going to start at the top. We're going to do a little biology 101, get your notebooks out, get your brains on, let's do this. Okay. So we have a series of glands that are involved in the endocrine system. Now we have a few more here that are listed that are not in the endocrine system, but we'll talk about those in a minute. So the ones that are, that are endocrine are hypothalamus, which is located in the midbrain, pituitary gland, also nestled into the hypothalamus, thyroid, everybody know where their thyroid is? You are all pros, I know you all know where your thyroid is. Um, kidney, I'm sorry, adrenals, mid-back, pancreas, left side, and ovaries. Okay, these are the endocrine glands. They're very, 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 very interconnected. They do not function without talking to each other. They do not function in isolation. You can't uh, break them apart and isolate them and say, okay, let's just look at the thyroid and what it's doing. Out of the context of the conversation it's having with your adrenals, with your uh, blood sugar, with your hypothalamus, with your pituitary, it's a, it's a meaningless conversation in terms of engaging it for optimizing its health. So how does this conversation happen? Anybody know? Almost. So 
it happens in this process called negative biofeedback. So your hypothalamus and your pituitary gland, but let's start with the hypothalamus. Your hypothalamus is constantly scanning the bloodstream for concentrations of hormones that your tar- the target glands of your endocrine system, thyroid, pancreas, adrenals, and ovaries, have produced that day, that moment. So happening moment to moment. It's happening right now as you're sitting down. In fact, we can even take you through an example of what's happening right now with your thyroid. We'll do that. And it's checking to see what needs to be adjusted. And once it recognizes that an adjustment needs to be made, it doesn't directly say anything, but it pings the pituitary gland. Anybody remember the Carol Burnett skits? Remember that one character she had that was that really funny-sounding switchboard operator? That's your pituitary gland. Hello, thyroid, please make some more thyroid hormone. Okay, that's the pituitary gland. It's going to communicate to the target glands of your endocrine system what they should be doing now. And now, and now, and constantly throughout the day. This process is happening bazillions of times throughout the day. And it's happening without you having to think about it. I don't know about you, but this makes me immensely grateful. I don't have to worry about this. I have so many other things to think about. This is just happening. Thank you so much, Lady Parts. I appreciate you. Um, So let's talk about the thyroid and how that's functioning a little bit. So you get an example of... uh, Actually, let's talk about the adrenals. Let's do that. Before we move on, two more things. Of this interconnectedness... Notice here that I have a few more things listed that are not, from a Western medical standpoint, considered endocrine. And that's because we subscribe to um, a a theory of functional medicine, functional nutrition. So when we look at how the whole endocrine system is supported, we have to think about what I call the support and detox grouping of glands and organs, right, which include the kidneys, the liver, the large intestine, the gallbladder, the fat cells. Did you know your fat cells were trying to help you? They are, I promise. Don't hate your fat cells. (laughs) And then, of course, the nourishing group, which is the small intestine and the stomach. All of these, these three groupings, the hormone grouping, the detox and support grouping, and the nourishing group, they are partnering together to make sure that the endocrine system can do its job. The primary job of the endocrine system is not what you think it is. Most people think the primary job of the endocrine system is hormones. That is the means by which they do their job. That is the language of the endocrine system. But the primary function of the endocrine system is, in fact, to to safeguard the transport of glucose to the brain, the heart, and the muscle tissue. Really, really important. And in fact, all of these groupings, the hormone group, the detox and support group, and the nourishing group, they all work synergistically to make sure that this is happening. And if at any point along the way, along your day, glucose is messed with, major shifts in the way your endocrine system is performing will happen Now, if this happens once or twice, this is okay. Your body's designed to be flexible and adapt to that. But if this is happening chronically, which we'll learn a little bit later on, this will certainly start to disrupt the entire conversation that the endocrine system is having, right? Does that make sense to you? That there's this interconnected conversation and we can absolutely interrupt it with what we're eating and how we're living. So let's zero in on the adrenals just to drive this point home. So this is your adrenal gland, probably one of my favorite glands of the endocrine system. It's gorgeous. (sighs) Let's just look at it for a minute. Okay. So, nice, wonderful. (laughs) So there are two main sections to the adrenal gland. There are, uh, there's the cortex, the outer three zones, and the medulla, the innermost zone. The medulla is really interesting. It actually forms at the same time as the brain and the spinal cord while you're in utero. So it's really, we can think of that adrenal medulla as a very primitive brain. And when we think about the, the potency of the mind-body connection, certainly it's 
in the conversation that's happening between the hypothalamus and the pituitary gland and these target glands of the endocrine system. If anybody's concerned, where is this mind-body conversation happening? It's here. <laughs> it's happening in your endocrine system. It's a physical reality. It's not just this kind of woo-woo idea. Now, I want to focus in on the cortex, the outer three zones. So the outermost zone, the zona glomulorosa, great term. This is the zone that produces aldosterone, which maintains cellular pressure. Okay, There's a special pressure uh, required between sodium and potassium that maintains the integrity of the cell. Okay, and in order for that, for your cells not to collapse in and your genetic material to be destroyed, this sodium-potassium channel has to be maintained, and aldosterone does that. Aldoster so people who have Addison's disease do not manufacture adequate aldosterone, and our most famous president, JFK, was someone who suffered from Addison's disease. And you have to be medicated for that. That is not something that you can uh, live without. The second, most, uh, the second zone in is the zona fascica latte. And this is the zone that produces that famous commercial, the late night relicor commercial that we're all familiar with, cortisol, cortisol, relicor. Don't watch those commercials. Anyway, <laughs> so this zone is what's responsible for producing cortisol. And cortisol is the hormone that talks to your fat cells in times of stress. And it says, hey, fat cells, something's happening we need a little glucose, sugar, to the brain, the heart, and the muscle tissue so that we can run away or, you know, fight, right? It's the fight-or-flight hormone. And this is great in the short term, but, of course, there's not just that form of stress, right? How many of you are being chased by woolly mammoths lately? Right? I don't think they're around anymore. Um, <laughs> La Brea Tar Pits, as close as we can get. Um, but... How many of you feel that you have low-grade, chronic, persistent stress in your life? What does that usually come in the form of? Typically, it's overpacked schedules, inability to eat in a consistent schedule, not eating in a way that supports blood sugar stability, right? So you eat something, and then like an hour later, you're snacky. How many of you eat, and within an hour, you're feeling snacky? Yep. So when you're having a hypoglycemic dip, this is registered in the HPA axis, the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis, and the adrenal glands send out cortisol. And too much of this conversation of cortisol then starts to disrupt the endocrine system as a whole. Interesting. Let's look at the last zone, zona reticularis. How many of you said you were dealing with low energy, low libido? You're going to want to perk up your lady parts right about now. This is the zone that produces DHEA. This is the mother hormone from which androgens are derived. Androgens is the fancy pants term for uh, the male hormones that we consider male hormones, but all, all genders produce androgens. And testosterone is the one that we want to think about here. 90% of the testosterone that a woman produces comes from this zone of the adrenal gland. Very interesting. So all your energy, all your sex drive, all your ability to build muscle mass and feel fit and full of vitality comes from this little third zone of the cortex. So interesting, and yet we don't even know about it. Now, what's even more interesting is, remember I just told you about this whole cortisol, too much cortisol being secreted because we have all of you identified with having low-grade chronic persistent stress. Very interesting relationship between cortisol and DHEA. As your cortisol levels are on the rise on a regular basis, your DHEA levels go down. Let me say that again. As your cortisol levels rise on a consistent basis due to low-grade stress, internal stress and external stress, and we're going to focus on the internal dietary stressors today, that which are causing that cortisol to go up, DHEA production goes down. So what does that mean for your sex drive? Right? Because you're going to have decreased DHEA from which to manufacture that testosterone. Now, how would we go about spot treating your libido given how interconnected just this one gland is with itself? When we now can see, based on our concert of organs, how this is in communication with all the other glands of the endocrine system. Right? People ask me all the time, what's the supplement to take? to boost my libido, or what's the supplement to take to get pregnant, or what's the supplement to take to cure my PMS? 
and I say, I'm sorry, but there is none, you can use supplements to help expedite the recharging of your batteries in certain ways, but really what you need to be doing is actually learning how to apply food in an every meal, every day conversation to get this whole system back online. Functional nutrition and functional medicine is really based on uh, a scientific investigation uh, with backing up wonderful research and data and and an ability to use technology to look inside of the body and test the body for hormones uh, of a basis of five-element Chinese theory. How many of you are familiar with TCM? I imagine a lot of you here, very savvy ladies in the room. And, you know... These ancient Chinese doctors had it right. This is talking about the interconnectedness of all the organs in your body. And so for those of you who are familiar with Chinese theory, you should be able to quickly apply it to the endocrine system. It's the same idea, right? It's very interconnected. You can't spot treat it. And I really want to drive that point home. You know, not only today do I want to teach you about the endocrine system and how it works and why you can't spot treat. I'm going to show you about the the patterns of your your hormonal cycle. I really want you to understand that there's this whole idea of spot treating and, and sort of just trying to fix a symptom doesn't work when it comes to hormonal issues. Everybody got that? Good. Great. So let's look at... Your hormones. This is like my public service announcement portion of the of the workshop. So important because so many uh, women do not know how to draw this chart. I've asked practitioners. I've asked lay people. Um, it's amazing to me that we don't have access to this information. How many of you know how to draw this chart? We already asked this question, right? Nobody. Okay. <laughs> so let's take a look at it. It's amazing what goes on. What I want to start with is this idea of the rhythmic pulsing. Not only do we have rhythmic pulsing in the endocrine system, you know, the hypothalamus talking to the pituitary gland, talking to the adrenals, talking to the thyroid, all happening at certain times during the day, right timing, right outcome. But also, just within our cycle, we have another set of music happening, which is really fun to know about. So let's start with the purple line, which is estrogen. Now, what is estrogen responsible for in your monthly cycle? First and foremost, it's there to help bring to maturity one of the eggs in your ovary so that it can be prepared for ovulation. And that's that first peak that you see before day 14 of estrogen. And then it has another peak in the second half of the cycle to help thicken the lining of the uterus. So that's what estrogen is doing for you. Got it? Draw the chart in your notebook. I want you to share this with one person today afterwards that is not here. (laughs) Okay. The second hormone I want us to look at is, actually I'd like to look at them in tandem, follicular stimulating hormone and luteinizing hormone. FSH is the orange line and LH is the yellow. These two hormones, when they reach their crescendo at day 14, signal to the ovary to release the egg. It's a magical thing. So estrogen kind of comes in first, makes it ready, and then FSH and LH have to come into play in the right ratio to allow that egg to be released from the ovary. Amazing process. Requires tremendous amount of energy in the body and micronutrients dedicated to making it successful, like B vitamins and C vitamins, etc. Progesterone in the green line comes into action after ovulation, and progesterone is there to keep the lining of the uterus intact in case of conception. So this is uh, the second half of the cycle, and if in those last few days of the second half of the cycle no conception has come to pass, then these two hormones, both estrogen and progesterone, start to decrease, and the lining is shed, and the cycle starts over again. Make sense? Any questions about it? Really want you to know how this works. Good, 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 good. Do you have one person in mind, another female, who you're going to draw this chart to? today or tomorrow? 
Write her name down. Make sure you share this with one person. Okay. The other thing I want you to understand about the cycles is how they feel. Because not only do I want you to be understanding the way the endocrine system works, but I also want you to have a way to, you know, without going for continuous blood work, to access an understanding of self-assessment, right? How are you going to gauge how well your hormones are doing? The best way for us to, to assess those is how we're doing week over week in our cycle, it's a there are so many different physical sensations that we're given each week of the four weeks of our cycle. If you have an understanding of what they're trying to share with you, then it makes it really easy for you to start engaging self-assessment and making small course corrections. So let's talk about these four phases. We have let's start with the follicular phase. Okay. So in the follicular phase, as we talked about earlier, this is, you know, after the last day of your bleed and estrogen is starting to build so that we have development in the, uh, the eggs in the ovary, one of which is going to make it out. We have a few developing in the follicular stage. That's where the, the name comes from, the follicles that are developing on the ovary. Now, at this time, you should be full of energy. You should feel like you have access to creative and physical energy to start new projects. You should feel really, really good. Okay? Physical sensations are minimal. Um, this is a dry period, so there will be no vaginal secretions at this time. Um, and you should have, be able to do you know, intense physical exercise. Okay? No particular cravings. If this is happening for you during the first seven days after your last day of your bleed, you can rest assured that your hormones are working in the way that they should. Now let's talk about the ovulatory phase. This is like a famous phase. Everybody knows about ovulation. It's like it's people, when I ask people how many phases are in the cycle, I usually get like two, sometimes I get three. Like, well, there's ovulation and there's their, their week where I feel like a, a different person. And then there's the menstrual period part. There's actually four. Um, and you're not supposed to feel like a different person. Um, so in the ovulatory phase, this is an interesting time in terms of brain chemistry. You actually have access to language uh, in a much the, the language center of your brain much more easily than you do any other part of the month. This is so fascinating. This is the time to be socially focused. Right? Asking for raises, going on first dates, having important conversations where you can use and leverage the language center of your brain, which is more present and available to you during ovulation. Which makes a lot of sense when you think about the physicality of what's happening during ovulation, right? The egg is moving into the fallopian tube, this whole attraction process, potentially with the sperm. You are the proverbial egg. You are the magnet at this time of the cycle. You definitely want to work that to your benefit. Then we have the luteal phase, which is about a 10 to 12 day phase. The first half of which um, you will feel minimal symptoms. In fact, you will kind of feel like you're still in that ovulatory glow for the first few days. You'll still have vaginal secretions that look like uh, very clear, uncooked egg white, cervical discharge. Uh, and things are, your energy is really, really good. Now, towards the second half, you may notice that you're having a more home-based focus. So a week before, you may have been feeling very socially focused. Now you're feeling a little bit more domestically focused. How many of you have put on your to-do list at a certain point in the month, organize shoe closet? <laughs> and then you don't get to it for like three weeks. And then the only thing you want to do is that friggin' shoe closet. <laughs> this is your luteal phase in action. Don't think you're nuts. It's just your neurochemistry is fluctuating with your hormonal biology. And wouldn't it be neat to kind of just plan in accordance with that so you didn't have to beat yourself up for the three weeks prior when you never got to organizing your shoe closet? I mean, I hate beating myself up. I hate doing any sort of inner critical negative self-talk. It, it zaps our energy. We don't have time for that, ladies. Okay, so this is the luteal phase. If you are noticing symptoms like mood swings, extreme fatigue, extreme carbohydrate cravings, uh, extreme irritability, anxiety, depression, sadness, weepiness, any of that, 
And this can be uh, also something that you're experiencing perimenopausally. Okay? If that's happening for you, this is an indication that something's not working back in the whole conversation of the endocrine system. It's not just that the certain hormonal levels are off. It's that the whole system is, is not functioning optimally. And you could do so much to bring it back online and reduce your need for any sort of hormone replacement if you supported the entire system, right? Okay, so then we have the bleeding phase, which is obvious in terms of the physical aspect of it. But what's a little-known fact is that the right and left hemisphere of the brain have the most access to each other during this time of the month. Now, why would that be an interesting thing to know about? Well, how many of you feel like you like to live your life following intuition? How many of you would like to live a life more where you're guided by that inner guidance system? How fantastic is it that built in to your blueprint, embedded into your body, is an ability every month to tap into that information and make course corrections? And by the way, how many of you are postmenopausal? Guess what? Because your FSH levels are high throughout the month, you have access to this every day. So you rock. Nothing to be afraid of, ladies, when you're moving into menopause. It just keeps getting better. Yes. However, if you too are feeling symptoms, this is something that can be corrected naturally. So this is a time of the month to really do that introspective, course-correcting, what do I really need and want, and how can I move my life in the direction that makes that happen? I don't do New Year's resolutions. I just do menstrual resolutions. <laughs> Why wait a whole year? I only have to wait three weeks. It's great. And so can you, because you just don't have the time to waste when you're a change agent, creatrix, powerful person. Okay. So, how do we begin to use food to restore this balance? Anybody curious now? Have I got you real on the edge of your lady parts? Good. Good. 